Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid-lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozimet, mom to two boys, middle school teacher, homeschooler, and writer. Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, episode 32, the episode in which the Two Lit Mamas search for their athletic sides. I thought you were going to say athletic, athletic supporters. supporters. <laughs> I know I should have done that. I'm like, where does it become <laughs> athletic supporters? <laughs> um, you guys can't see me right now. But I think it's really important that you know that I am 100% a dead ringer for Sporty Spice right now. <laughs> I am in my full on track suit with my exposed midriff and my hair in like my mini fro with the little braids in the front. It's beautiful. I wish you could see me. I wish this was television, but oh, it's darn. not. So you'll just have to trust me. You'll have to trust me that I'm Sporty Spice and not sitting here in a ratty old kiss t-shirt. <laughs> I did work out this morning, though. I did do that. And I was all sweaty spice. So that's who I would have been. I would have been sweaty spice. (laughs) Sporty spice's fat sister. (laughs) Hey, girl, it's me. I would have been last to be picked for baseball spice. (laughs) I would be bench warmer spice. Thank you. Oh my God. That's so funny. She was my favorite Spice Girl though. I mean, we were too old for the Spice Girls, but she was my favorite because she was kind of angry. All right. So um, since we're going on this whole sports theme, PS, my entire life now revolves around sports because, you know, my children, this is how sad it was earlier. I was like, does anybody want to take dance classes this year? (laughs) Anybody? Anybody? No. How about we try theater? My son actually has to take dance at school and he's a little mortified, but he came home and he actually liked it. So I'm like, maybe we can, can we shift from sports to dance? Is it too late for that at at eighth grade? I don't know. Um, But did you play sports? When you were a kid? Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in a very small town in the country of Illinois. I believe they call it Bumble. (laughs) But yeah, so sports were huge in my hometown. There's nothing else to do. I guess that's what it is. And I kind of hated it at the time because I felt like obligated to play every sport because there were also only 10 girls in my class. (gasps) You were obligated to play because otherwise there wasn't a team. Right. I do have to say now I'm sort of grateful that I was forced into the mindset of actually staying in shape because it does make me like try to exercise today now every day. So at the time, um, yeah, I did track. I did. I didn't. We didn't really have a softball team. I mean, it was such a small town, but volleyball was really the main girl sport. So I yeah. did do volleyball. I was a setter, of course, because I'm not very tall. Did you play basketball? Just trying to think that I don't think we had a girls basketball team because I was like when I was a kid, they still only played. Remember when they played half court girls? Oh, gosh. No, we didn't. They only that. played half court and two. What is it? Two dribbles, because that's how we learned how to play in gym class. And I was like, this is the stupid, the most sexist crap ever. And and I yeah. was like seven. I was like literally seven. I'm like, who can only take two dribbles? And then you have to pass it. It was such a stupid thing. And then by the time we got to middle school, I think they had passed the rule that we could play um, half court, but you didn't have to just have two dribbles. And then by high school, you could play full court. I was a little behind the times, you know. We had cheerleading, of course, for girls, which our cheerleading was somewhat athletic, you know, because it was kind of at the t- beginning of the time when you did like pyramids and yes. jumps and stuff. I was obvious high school's first fat cheerleader. P.S. I was breaking barriers. And, it, you know, I was the base of the pyramid. 
Yeah, girl, I was. <laughs> wrestling was huge at my school. That was a big thing too. Wrestling was really huge in Iowa. Football was huge. My brother played football. football. My little, huge. my other brother was like too runty. He was too little to play. And obviously va- volleyball and basketball, tennis and golf are massively huge in my school. I played tennis. I sucked really bad, but you know, I played. I just didn't like the whole sports thing. I didn't like, I have, you know, I have authority problems. Yeah, I guess I, I kind of liked playing volleyball in high school. I, really, honestly, I always loved um, baseball. When my son was little, I would take him in the backyard and play catch with him and try to hit the ball and do all this stuff when he was little because I really had aspirations for him playing baseball. Did he, I hate I hate baseball. My son wants to play so bad, my youngest, and I'm like, Aww. I can't. It's too bad Aunt Hee isn't here to take no you to kidding. practice. I would totally do that. I love oh. baseball. And he's like ambidextrous. So he's now Ooh. we're finding out because he's always been. And this whole ambidextrous thing has been a nightmare learning yeah. to write and in school and everything. But now that he's homeschooled, he's like, woohoo, free for all. And it, we don't, I don't care. Like, whatever. As long as you like to write, he, he switches mid sentence. And it's like an OT and stuff. They could never, like she always said, like, I can't tell which hand he's doing it with. Well, now when it comes to sports, I had no idea because I'm oh, not yeah, that's sporty. Really it's like skill. a huge deal. And we've been playing soccer and my husband's about to lose his freaking mind because apparently being able to kick at the same power with each foot is like the biggest gift you can get in soccer. Well, of course, Nugget does it because he's like, that's just his life. He's always been, you know, the one-eared, ambidextrous, half-kidneyed freak show. But now it's coming out for his advantage. So we'll awesome. see. But yeah, and he, but he bats both sides. He throws both sides. He catches both sides. That's amazing. I love it. You know, the other sport that I always kind of had a huge fantasy about was figure skating. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, that was, come on, that was the heyday. When we were kids, it was like the heyday of figure skating. I loved watching Olympics figure skating. Love, love. I loved watching Tanya and Nancy knock it out. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And P.S. Nancy Kerrigan does all of our mass save commercials out here because, you know, she's from here. She's also doing like sort of AARP-esque commercials out here, which I don't like those because (laughs) I don't want to admit that we're even close to that age, you know? So what did your kid play? Well, he did a little bit of everything when he was little. He did play play t-ball flag football and then he got into hockey and then that was kind of he preferred playing that he played that until well he played it i think he was what 10 maybe and his team won the city championship and then he was like mic drop i'm out (laughs) (laughs) he's like okay i've had enough i gotta roll then he never wanted to play again quit while i'm ahead yeah it's very like peyton manning of him i know take the win i'm out of here well see this is the thing that i learned early on very it's a very hard lesson is that when you only have boys there is a very strong chance that they will be really into sports and both of my kids have been really really into sports from the get-go well but you have a family history of sports i was gonna say because i have a son and he liked it when he was little but then after that when it was got really serious you know and of course i live in a town where it's like insanely serious yeah middle grade and high school sports are and he, at that point, he was like, and eh, about, you know, he didn't want to give that much dedication to it. And I don't want my kids to give that much dedication, but they really, really love it. And I That's really, awesome. really don't. But I also have to, like, I've gotten sucked in. Like, my oldest played, he played soccer. He played flag. He played tackle up until this year when he's much smaller than everyone else. And I was like, done, we're done. And then of course, after reading today's book, I'm like, you'll never play tackle again. Yes. yes. But he was, he was the kicker. So I felt better about that when, as they've gotten bigger, he was always pretty stocky. So I thought like he could hold his own, but now they're big, like they're men and he's not. That's the thing about like that middle grade age. Yep, it's dangerous. Such a huge range in sizes of kids. And then you have the parents who kept their kids back, you know, for different yeah. reasons and they're even bigger. And you get the parents that are all in for blood. 
And that really ruins it for the kids that are not all in for blood. Mm -hmm. My kid probably was like, "Eh, I'll take the blood, whatever. But then, okay, so this is this is so perfectly Massachusetts. So the last like pre-COVID, the last football season we had pre-COVID was the last one we played because there was no football last year. And the team above him, we play because we play on Cape Cod. (laughs) So we play mostly on the Cape, but we the older kids also played on the islands, which is Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. Well, don't mistake the kids on the vineyard because the Martha's Vineyard team put three of our kids in the hospital. Whoa, no. Yeah, it was bad. Who would have thought the Martha's Vineyard team would be such ass wampers, but they were horrible. <laughs> and that's when I was like, no. So this year we are full on soccer and I have two kids on three travel teams and I'm about to lose my mind. I was that's just telling insane. you. All right. I'm like, I'm, I'm right now I have calendars and I have color coded which days, who has practice, where and when, and then on the weekends, who has what, where, when, how. It was not meant to be this way. We were only going for two travel teams, but then we thought one was going to cancel. And so the, they were like, here, we're going to refund you. And we're like, okay, well, we'll go play for the other team. And then all of a sudden they were like, hey, just kidding. We actually have a team. So now we have three travel teams and two kids, and it is going to be an absolute disaster, but we're going to try it. Like we'll be up and down the South shore between here and Boston. Thank God we don't have to go out of the Cape that much because that's a tough one, but God help me. And then we play until the middle of November. Wow. And it gets cold out where you are. And it gets dark, but you know, they love it. And the nice thing is, is that my husband really is glad. My older son always played soccer in the spring and football in the fall, but now he's going to play soccer both seasons. And my husband's like totally elated because his father was a professional soccer player and my husband was a soccer player. So my youngest, of course, is pretty sure that he's got the genes to make him go pro. So watch out, Messi. And if he can kick with both feet. Apparently, that's what my husband is like. He could be the next Cristiano Ronaldo. And I'm like, mm, maybe, maybe not. It's funny. He is named after a famous soccer player, but maybe he'll pull it out. So yes, it's, it is a sporty life, even though like it's, it's hard to be a nerd in the sportster world, but I'm trying, I'm trying. Yeah. We always felt a little bit out of place on like the hockey sidelines because there were the parents who were there for like blood and they were like screaming and my husband and I were just sitting there like, Oh, (laughs) if you didn't grow up in that world or you're not of that world, like I, especially for me, it was really hard with football. I mean, my brothers played it and everything, but I didn't know my dad took care of all that stuff, you know, like, and now when you're the parent trying, and my husband didn't really have anything to do with them playing football because he doesn't understand the sport. He didn't grow up in America. He doesn't understand football that well. So whatever understanding there was had to come from me, but then also like whatever going to bat with the nasty coach also had to come from me. And that's where sexism reigns hardcore. You know what I mean? They're like, there's no way that some mother is going to tell me what to do because, you know, she isn't trying to relive her glory years like I am. And nor is she, you know, did she play football in 1991 either? So she couldn't possibly know. And you know me, I don't really... I don't really hold back. Anyway, I find the uh, football world is a little off-putting as a, for moms. I think it's tough. It was better in Indiana. It was far better in Indiana. They were much more respectful of moms when my son played tackle in Indiana than when he played tackle here. That's also the difference between what is that? They don't play. We play Pop Warner, which is that's tough. And they play, what is that? They play, it's a different like AAU or something else. It's like boys and girls version. I don't know what it's called, but there's a lot of difference. Anyway, the sports mom chat, we should get our own radio show. That would be perfect. <laughs> you know, sports like mom sports chat. mom's chat. Hey, 
I'll be like, yeah, he got the puck thingy in the goal. <laughs> that would be bad. Right. Well, this is the other thing. You know, I in my entire life until my kids got older, I never ever once watched Sports Center. Now we watch Sports Center every day. I get alerts from Bleacher Report on my phone because it really is the way that you connect with your kids and you have to meet them where they are, even if it's not of any interest to you. Like you got to connect with them, especially as they get older. So we're always talking like, did you see this trade? Did you see this? Like this guy that I mean. I know crap. I have no interest in knowing anything about, but it is, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Cause you got to know. I do cut the, cut the line of baseball though. I can talk football for a long time with them. I can definitely talk basketball because I do like NBA basketball hockey. I'm getting there because my little one's a hockey freak and he likes both the Flyers and the Bruins, so I can keep up on both of them. But baseball, I just can't care. That's so funny because that's the one that I know more about than anything. But I grew up when I was young. My grandpa would take us into Chicago to see a Cubbies game. Yeah. Oh, I loved to Yeah, but you that. Midwestern people like Iowa and Illinois, you people will live and die for those Cubs. And, you know, they yes. usually don't pay off for you. <laughs> no, nope. they did once. That's all I needed to keep hanging on. <laughs> we used to go to the Phillies games because I just like to sit and drink beer you know it's always fun here we don't go i mean like to get into fenway is a pain in the butt but i guess we should probably break it down someday and go there but i'm not i'm not i'm gonna hold my breath all right should we get started with we our should books? we should right. because you know i'm sure in a few minutes i probably have to go to sports practice <laughs> that's all i do that's all i do anymore well let's get started So we read some incredible books about sports this week, or I would like to maybe say sports adjacent books. <laughs> I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. It was far more emotional than I thought yes. they would be. Like I had no clue when we were going into a sports theme that I would spend. Like I sent you that text message. I was like, I'm not going to make it. I, I'm sobbing. I can't make it through these books. Like They were so powerful. I was an emotional wreck. And I was like, really? This is like sports themed. Okay. All right. Let's save the one for last that we both did. And then what was your first one? What'd you read? Okay. Well, I read um, Chirp by Kate Messner. And I'll admit, I chose this book because I like Kate Messner. She's one of my favorite picture book authors. <laughs> this is her debut middle grade book. And yeah, I was not disappointed. I thought she's got some game in the middle grade category for sure. I should point out, since I'm kind of kicking us off, that we both chose sports books that were really more about trauma that can be associated with sports than like, rah, rah, sports are awesome. So that's kind of where we landed. And I think it's it's also, you know, those are newer ways to approach sports. Yes, themes. yes. And so that's probably why there's more of those right now. So I was a little bit afraid, I have to say, that I might need to shrink by the time I was done reading our books, but I forgot I need to put my faith in the middle grade gods. I should have known I'd be in good hands because middle grade is such a perfect category for addressing tough topics. Yeah. Especially like trauma. With a light hand. Yes. Yeah. Because they do just the perfect job of digging in just deep enough without getting too explicit or too age inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a great way to approach topics that um, might be tough. So, But it's hard to remember that, and especially with the topic of yours, because you're going in with your adult knowledge of that yes. topic and you kind of forget that the intended audience doesn't have any of that in there. They don't know what the real backstory of this is. So I think that's what's really important to remember when you're looking at these books, especially like your topic. Right, because it does seem like it would be scary as an adult or a parent to hand your kid a book that might right. be about... Yeah. Um, so, well, here, let me just 
talk a little bit about Chirp um, by Kate Messner and get, so you know what we're talking about. So the book came out in 2020 and it has won a few awards. It's about Mia, who is a former young gymnast. She recently recovered from a broken arm after falling off the balance beam. So she has not done gymnastics for, I think, over a year. And she and her parents had just moved to Boston or from Boston. Sorry, they were living in the city and now they're moved to Vermont, kind of out in rural Vermont. Um, I think it's actually set on Lake Champlain, which we've read. Which we've been there before. Yeah. yeah. Jennifer Granari. A lot. Yeah. A lot of uh, children's book authors, I think, live in that area. And so it ends up being sort of a popular spot. But they're moving there because uh, Mia's grandmother had recently had like a mild stroke and she needs help running her cricket farm. Of course she does. (laughs) Yeah, which is so cool. And that's where Chirp comes from. Oh, okay. Now I get it. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I wondered about it too, because I'm like, what does that have to do with gymnastics? But I've got there. So um, Mia in this book is really struggling with a lot of issues. Um, Her grandmother's health, she's worried about. She wants to be really helpful with her grandmother's business because there's a lot of discussion of the adults that she should sell it and retire because she's had a stroke and she's older. And why is she doing this? But Mia gets it. You know, she gets it that her grandmother loves it and she's really got some great plans for it. And so Mia is sort of on her grandmother's side and wants to help. And then also she's moved to a new place. So she's making new friends. And then um, she's also struggling with getting back into some physical activity. She joins one of those uh, ninja warrior gyms. Oh, nice. They're hot out here. Oh my God. It's so cool. That was such a fun part. But to try to get back into something physical, her mom, this sounds so much like me. Her mom's like, you have to do two camps this summer. One thing physical for your body, one thing mental for your brain. Totally. That's exactly the kind of crap that we do all the time, isn't it? I know. I'm like, I could totally hear myself. You can't be this. You can't be all jock. You can't be all nerd. Okay, go. Yeah. And then there's also... a secret that Mia has that gets hinted at throughout the story. And I know normally we don't share spoilers because we want you to read it for yourselves, but I'm going to reveal it here because it is somewhat of a trigger warning attached to the story. So when Mia was a gymnast in Boston, one of the assistant coaches who was an adult sent her inappropriate texts, like checking in on her at night, like, oh, I was thinking of you and things like that. And he would hug her like kind of long and give her back rubs that were inappropriate. None of that comes out until the very end of the story because it's sort of like this underlying tension that she has throughout the whole story. So it's not really like the main focus of the story, but it's just there. And then it comes out in the end when she finally, you know, talks to the women and her, her mom about it. Um, she actually talks to a woman entrepreneur first about it and then her mom. And then all of a sudden, all the women in her life start sharing their Me Too kind of stories, ah. things that happened to them at work. It was such a cool thing. I just think that any young girl should read this book just for that, just to know that if something feels wrong, it probably something's probably you should wrong. Trust your gut. Yeah. yeah. And then also just to hear other adult women sharing their stories and things that happened to them. And again, like we said, this is middle grade. It's all age age appropriate. Nothing is, you know, there's no like sharing of sexual trauma kind of stories or anything. Which is what, because if if you apply what we know about gymnasts and what's happened with the last couple of years, that's where our adult mind would take it. So it's really, I think it's good that you share that spoiler. Yeah. And so this is skimming the surface of that. But, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously if a child read this and was having those 
much more serious issues happening in their life, this would be uh, like a huge red flag to them. Like, oh, this is not okay. Yeah. You know, anyway, I just think it was a great way to sort of delicately approach the topic without getting too deep into it. It was really great. And also that really helped her call this guy out in the story. Her cousin was going to um, join that gymnastics school. She was super excited to follow in her older cousin's footsteps. And that's when Mia really was like, I have to tell because she didn't want her little cousin to be hurt. So anyway, there was, it was just handled really well. I thought. What a creep. (laughs) I'm so like, so over this crap. I'm so over like creepy old men. Yeah. But that's the best. That's the amazing thing about stories like this though, is women are over it and they're tired of keeping it secret because then that allows it to happen to other women and to keep going on and on and on. So. And our daughters and our nieces and our, yeah. I just thought that was a really cool thing. And then of course, this being a a full middle grade story. I mean, it also includes like this fun business contest because the other thing she participates in is like this maker camp and they have a business contest and Mia like works really hard to develop ways to save her grandmother's cricket business, which was really fun. Super great entrepreneurial, cool ideas in it. Um, and then also her grandmother's uh, cricket farm is actually being sabotaged. So the girls figure that out. And it's kind of like a fun Nancy Drew mystery thrown oh, in cool. on top. Yeah. There was just a lot of like really fun, interesting things going on. Some more serious themes going on. I thought it was really well done. And again, that was Chirp. Chirp, right? Yep. Chirp by Kate Mester, and it came out in 2020. Would you say it's a better for like older kids, older middle grade, you think? I knew you were going to ask me I that. always ask that, but I always like, it's just, I'm really curious because of the subject though. Honestly, I almost wanted to say it was a lower grade book, but because of some of the theme, I would still say solid middle grade because I don't think a freshman in high school would read this book. How old is Mia? Uh, Mia is 12. Okay. Solid middle grade, appropriate even for maybe some lower middle grade for more, you know, girls are yeah. usually a little bit more mature, more mature anyway. Yeah. yeah, they could yeah. probably handle it. And again, like I said, none of that other, none of that stuff really comes out until the very end, and it's handled just really delicately. I thought it was a good book. I thought it was a solid job. The whole cricket stuff is hilarious and fun. Her grandmother is growing the crickets for a protein source for of humans. Of course she is. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a big thing too. Yeah. And so the kids really come up with some creative ways to try to make that acceptable. And so the chirp comes from, they create a chirp challenge, hashtag chirp challenge to eat a cricket and take your picture while that's you're brilliant. eating a cricket. Yeah. It was that's really brilliant. Fun. I know. It was really cute. And they came up with some other stuff. It was really fun. So, and it was kind of a nice, like a girl friendship story too. Uh Um, She makes some really great girlfriends that um, are really supportive of her and stuff too. It was really great. Oh, cool. That sounds like a great book, especially if you had a kid that was into gymnastics. It's always, you know, good to see a little representation of what your vibe is too. Yeah. Different sports. Yeah. I mean, there are quite a few different sports covered now too. So, I mean, there's a gazillion baseball and football. Let's look at from other things. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah. Well, and now I noticed there were quite a few books out for like girls who are interested in football and baseball and just that their experiences of breaking into boys sports team and stuff like that, which was really interesting too. There were several of those I found. There's also gay books on sports, gay, oh, books, sure. gay characters in sports, which is a new hot trend too, that I saw, which I think is really interesting. 
Mm-hmm. So there was a couple of good ones that I saw on there as well. Okay. So you did a soccer book though, right? Because soccer is your family. Soccer is our jam. Soccer is our jam. And um, I have to say, this book was 10,000 Tries by Amy McEchney, something like that. I'm massacring your name. Isn't it McEchney? McEchney. Okay. See, there you go. You're better with that. I mean, this is a go. This is how we roll. You always figure out the last names. If it's not Jones or it's not Turkish, <laughs> I'm confused. So anyway, this was 10,000 Tries. And I probably shed 10,000 tears. So there we go. Um, it's a big book. It's a good size book for middle grade. I saw this. I, I earmarked this in a um, in the winter as like one to watch. It was one of the books that like, what were we looking forward to coming out? And this was one of mine because I was really interested in the soccer aspect of things. And I also the, the story of. I don't want to say like a, of a falling star of a dying star, you know, soccer star that hits really close to home because my husband's father, as I said, was a soccer player, but he also had a kind of a traumatic death at the end. And I felt like I want to read this. I want to see the connection and stuff and how it's handled, because I think that for athletes, especially men that were professional athletes, I think to have a debilitating disease is probably, it must just be horrendous. Like when you literally made your, and I've known people, I, you know, besides just my husband's father that have had that. But I think that when you have made your entire existence out of being strong to have that taken away from you, and it, it's just, it just must be horrendous. I, I can't imagine. It's like if someone took our nerd dim away from us, where would we be? So anyway, so this one is about 10,000 tries is about Golden Marconi and Golden's read somewhere. He, he, Lionel Messi is his idol, the soccer star, everything about Messi. He, he's like, nothing is more important than following Messi. And he read somewhere that in order to master anything, you have to give it 10,000 hours, 10,000 hours of practice will make you a master at anything. And he's decided that he's going to, after 10,000 hours of practice with soccer, then he will be a soccer genius. So he's got a whole spreadsheet on his wall. He's keeping track of everything. And it's really important to him because he is the son of a soccer legend, his father. And um, they call him Dragon Ball P is what all the kids call him. And he was a very famous soccer player. And his mother was also a soccer player. And now she's a soccer coach. And she happens to be her son's soccer coach. And she is brutal. She is like such a brutal coach. I loved it. I was like, go mom, go. He's also the only son. So there's four kids in the family and his sister is a great soccer star, his older sister. And then there's Golden. And then there's two younger ones that are also do play soccer as well, but they're really little. Unfortunately, um, he's also going to eighth grade and his father has rapidly progressing ALS. So in the beginning of the book, his father is still able to walk. And then that doesn't last. That doesn't even last through the soccer season. So by the middle of the soccer season, he's in a wheelchair. And it's just tragic because you see it unfold. The way that that, that has been written, it is just so perfectly visually painfully real. The decline in his father is so fast and rapid. And the way that you feel, you can feel it. You can feel the family. The mother is just written so well. She's very sort of distant, but you you also know when you're reading it that she's not distant. She's just overwhelmed. And Golden has to learn to shave his father. And the daughter, the, his sister has to learn to drive so that she can drive the wheelchair van when they need to get him from place to place. And it's just so powerful about this family doing everybody doing what they need to do. But the problem is Golden doesn't believe that he's not going, that he's never going to get better. Golden Mm, believes that if he keeps trying, he will get better. And then when it looks like things are going to get better, he makes a deal that if everything just stays the same, then he'll be okay with that. But 
nothing can stay the same. I mean, ALS is a horrendous disease and it moves so fast. And, you know, like in, on top of that, Golden, he, all he wants to do is play soccer and make his dad proud and be the captain. But he also is so wrapped up in his own life that he doesn't realize that his best friend, Benny, is sort of pulling away from him because Benny's got his own struggle. Benny's grandmother, who lives with them and has lived with him his whole life and who Golden has always spent time with, is losing her battle to dementia at the same time. And his best friend and maybe love interest in middle school who lives next door, Lucy, is planning to move away her family's her mother's remarrying and they're going to move away to Maine because they live here can I just make one comment really quick I this is so fascinating because I always think about how much it sucks for us to be like the sandwich generation where you are dealing with your parents because they're getting older and getting ill and you're dealing with your children who are teenagers and how stressful that can be yeah. to have to be dealing with, but or even if you have younger kids, a lot of people my my went to school with have young kids still. I mean, that's yeah, because we were lot. also the first generation that didn't start having kids until it's later, later. Really, you know, right. a and lot even, of us, right? Even though our parents are living longer, our kids are still young, and it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with sometimes. But I've never thought of the story. This is such a fascinating story because it's basically from the perspective of the child dealing with that same scenario where the parents are busy dealing with health. But it's his parent. Yeah. And he has to learn how to take care of his parent, which is really huge. Like the research, I, God willing, I hope that, that Amy say it again, catch me. I hope that this isn't from personal experience and I hope it's just research, but it feels too real. To not mm-hmm. be from personal experience, Golden has to learn how to suction his dad, uh, you know, because he he can't swallow. Mm-hmm. Golden has to learn how to help, you know, when his dad falls down, how to help him get back up again. Mm-hmm. He has to learn how to move his fingers to help him control the wheelchair and then how to control the wheelchair once his fingers won't move anymore. I mean, wow. it's just gut wrenching. And it's the kid, the kids have to do it. He has to learn how to do his sister's hair because his dad always used to do his sister's hair and drop her up in kindergarten. And since they're in the same building, he's now responsible for dropping her off. And the other sister has become obsessed with death. And she's only she's in third grade and she's only watching YouTube videos about death. And he and his sister kind of have to figure this out. Like, how are we going to do this? Because they're down to one working parent now. Mm -hmm. And his mom is busy working and she's busy trying to just take care, keep his father alive. And his father is, he was the English teacher in the high school that everybody loved and adored. And it's just like the whole town knows what's happening, but Golden doesn't want to admit it. And that's the whole kind of, for a very long portion of the book, Golden just doesn't. Everybody else knows, but he doesn't want to let himself know. It's just an absolutely wonderful book. Mm-hmm. You really don't like Golden for a long time, but you understand why you why he's doing what he's doing. Like he's not a likable character until much later in the book. And you just want to be like, oh my God, would you just stop? Just stop being a brat. But you get it. Like you can get, you can see why. And I think any kid could see why too. There's also so much information about the game of soccer and working with the team and how important it is to be the guy who sets up the goal more important to be the guy that sets up the goal than the guy who makes the goal and uh, how yeah. important it is to learn that, to learn the support. And it's all about supporting the, the supporting people is the most important role. And it's, it's just full of rich stuff like that. So I give it like 12 thumbs up. It was a really great book. And I'm sorry, Amy, that we cannot say your last name, but we will probably be looking for your front step with Franzia because <laughs> I think you're going on the Franzia She's list. She's going on the Franzia list. I think list. she has wow. to, yeah. 
Yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty intense. It is a tear jerker. More than Great Coward's book? It's right up there. It's exactly the same. And perhaps it's more so for, well, no, because why? Both of them had dead parents and I had a dead parent as a kid. So maybe that's, that's what, what gets cry. me. Yeah. Yeah, they are, it was good. It was really good. It was, and it's it, like I said, it's a big book and I could not put it down. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we read a lot of good books, but there are not a lot where you're just like, you want to devour it. I could probably mm-hmm. list like, a handful that I could say, I just don't want this book to be done. I wanted it to be done because there was a long time. I, I, we got to the very end and I'm like, I'm going to need that father to die (laughs) because we all know he's going to die. Like everybody, and they're preparing for him to die. But the longer it was taking, I'm like, I I just can't go on. I just can't, (laughs) I can't emotionally handle this anymore because I'm afraid every page I turn, I'm afraid this is going to be it. This is the end. This is where he's at. This is it. Is this? And the way that it's all handled is beautiful. Very beautiful. Very perfectly done. And you feel like everybody's going to be okay in the end. And there was a great insight, little hints of insight into the father where, you know, like and resignation in the father and how it was just really spot on. Just so I'm going to cry. I can't talk anymore. I'm just going to cry. It was so good. It was just so emotional. It was so good. But yet it had all those, like it had those chapters and chapters or pages and pages of like play by play, which I think a lot of kids that play that sport, I've read a lot of football books to my son and I am so bored stiff by the, he's on the 50, he's on the 30, he's run and like, oh God, just end it. But that kind of, you know, like that's in a lot of sports books where, and that's, that's in this as well too. There is a lot of that, but it's also so much more. And the nice thing, it was also their school's small. So they have a unisex um, team. So his Aww. best friend was the other, she was the co-captain with him that's on the team. That's cool. I like that. So, it was good. So 10,000 Tries by Amy McKechnie. Cool. That sounds great. I feel like you should be like the person who rides, who reads names at graduations. Like, <laughs> cause like you're the peop- one person who's not going to like massacre them like me. Are right, you ready for the next one? Yeah. Our last book. I, oh my God. Our last book. <sighs> I stumbled <laughs> on this one and it was, it's um again, um, Oh, I'm going to get all up teary. It's called Before the Ever After by one of our favorites and a true, I, I, I'm not going to lie. She's a genius. Oh, she is. Jacqueline Woodson. She's an artist. Absolute brilliant. So we, you, you know her from um, Brown Girl Dreaming, but she's also had a lot of other books. But Before the Ever After, it, it's also in verse like Brown Girl Dreaming, which makes it really easily digestible yes. for reluctant readers because it's a small book. Probably you could probably read it in an hour, I think. If oh, you yeah. Get it in one shot. And I think that the reluctant readers, I think back to so many students that I've had and those reluctant readers that were really into football are probably the kids that need to read this book more than anybody else and their parents. But um, Mm -hmm. the message in this book, absolutely amazing. Anyway, it was released in September of 2020. It won the NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Literary Work for Youth and Teens in March of this year. Obviously, well-deserved. Well-deserved, yes. Um, It also won the Hans Christian Andersen Award and the Coretta Scott King Author Award. So, I mean, she's just amazing. She's so amazing. I just also want to add before you get into giving us a summary about it. If you've never gone to her, her website, she is one of the best websites I've ever seen. One of the best author websites around. It's so personal that you literally feel like you're having coffee with Jacqueline Woodson as you're sitting there reading through it. It's just, you really get a good feeling of like who she is and why she does it and how she got to it. It's just great. It's, it's a great website. It's a great resource for teachers. 
um, to go along with either any of her books, but especially to go along mm-hmm. with this one. So check that out. And it's JacquelineWoodson.com. Yeah. So we usually kind of avoid really well-known authors on the podcast because, yeah. you know, you can find their books easily. They're everywhere. And so we like to try to fi- promote other authors that you might not have heard of. <laughs> so this reading this book really was like a present for us. Like I just felt like, okay, we just did this for us. <laughs> yeah, it totally was. But I hadn't seen this book before. Had you? No, I hadn't. Even seen though it. she's so well-known yeah. and it, I, I hadn't seen it anywhere, which I thought was weird. Maybe because of the themes and it weren't as aren't as big, maybe, but oh my gosh, it is beautiful. It is artistry. It is, I mean, she's a genius. I don't know what more to say about it. But okay, so before the ever after tackles uh, the tough topic of brain injuries and the NFL from the Mm -hmm. perspective of the middle school son of a professional football player. So both of these, but your book and this book similar where it's from the perspective of the child dealing with the adults issue, you know, the after effects of a year, a life in sports. Yeah. Yeah. So ZJ, who the main character, I completely, you fall in love. I with love him. him. Fall in love and with his him friends. Instantly his- love his friends, his family, their whole community. You just like madly fall in love with them. Like I totally wanted to go hang out at their house. Yeah. And pretty much that's what the whole community is. Like everyone just loves ZJ they, and ZJ's dad. He's kind. He's charming. He's this football star that everyone loves to be around, including all of ZJ's friends. And then one day, his dad, who is always soft-spoken and kind and fun, yells at ZJ and his friends, and then he starts forgetting things, and they know something is not, has changed. He doesn't recognize them, yeah. which is traumatic. Yes. yes, it's so traumatic. It's traumatic for his friends. It's traumatic for ZJ. And it's kind of like one of those childhood things that your life is never the same after. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was like, whew, get you in the, get you in the hearts. Um, so, he, and then his dad starts having terrible migraines that get worse and worse and worse until he can't even play football. And this, of course, puts a lot of stress on the family and makes their future very uncertain. And they don't know what is. And this story also, I should say, is set like kind of in the early 2000s, late yeah. 90s, when yeah. they not much. This is just starting to kind of come out about what was going on with concussion related, like long term brain injuries yeah. for CTE. football players. Mm-hmm. So the family doesn't understand what's going on. The doctors aren't aren't really, I mean, there's information, but nobody really wants kind to kind of like to push it under the rug. Too, yeah. Like so. nobody wanted to be the first one to be like, Hey, this is really bad. And it's the whole NFL and it's going to change everyone's life. So, I, I mean, I think they didn't, they make a whole movie about this. I mean, it's like, it was yeah. a whole thing back then, but remember who figured it out? The women let the women do the work because <laughs> the moms are like all the football wives are like, wait a minute. Yeah, something's bad's happening. And that's what like ZJ's mom and some of the other football moms were like, wait, like sort of to connect the dots Mm -hmm. long before Mm -hmm. anybody else was connecting the dots. And then and they had like a real uphill battle to get information and figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. And then within all of that, poor ZJ is sort of forced to figure out how to live this new life. You know what his new normal is very different than what it has been. He kind of lived this somewhat charmed life up until this point. And now it's he has to figure out how to kind of cope and get get by. But it is so, oh, so good. And so painfully good though. Yeah. And again, it's middle grade. So it doesn't really get into his father's sort of violent outbursts. It touches on them very, very briefly. Right. And then also it it ends at a time that kind of makes you feel like ZJ's 
going to be okay. I know it's a bit of a spoiler. And the father, though, you do feel like, you know, you need that because otherwise you'd be sobbing your eyes up because I I had to, you had to tell me that to get me to read the rest of the book. I did. I did. Because you're like, I can't keep reading this. I'm like, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Keep reading. Again, as a parent, as an adult, keep in mind what we bring to books is way more than what is in there for a kid. Yeah. I think it was also really important to note that and in the book and kids that I have known that are also sons of, of, of fathers that have played in the NFL, they want nothing to do with football. ZJ doesn't want anything to do with football. He doesn't want to be a football player. He's a musician and he wants to make his life in music, which I thought was absolutely right on. There's one kid that just constantly wants to play, wants him to play football with him or tackle or whatever. And you feel like as the book goes on, ZJ just looks at this kid like you have no idea what that's going to come if you follow this path. Like he wants to give him that warning, but he also knows that even if he did it, he was because like he said, he was like, it's like my dad. You see the money, you see the hope of getting out of where you are, that it doesn't matter. You're not going to heed any warnings. And if you love it, like his dad, I thought it was really interesting too, for the love of something that is hurting you. I mean, that is because his dad loves football and still loves football. Like still talks yeah. about his love of football. And then you see it in this younger kid and it does give you this feeling of dread for that kid. But then again, it's like, that's his love. Like it's that's so it. yeah. hard. It's so hard to, you, when you find your passion or your thing you love and you get to do it and then it ends up harming you. It's just tread. It's tragic. I mean, it's such a sad tale. But. And I kind of halfsy halfsy it because um, I spend a lot of time in my car now driving school carpool and everything else. So I was listening to part of it and the audiobook version is amazing. The, the guy reading it is just does such a great job. And it really gives you this, this rich feeling of hearing ZJ's voice. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, I, that's what I love audiobooks. Love them, love Me them, too. love them. But this one is a particularly good one because of that. The visuals she creates are just so oh. right on with like five words. Well, in every chapter, you know, the pr- the verse chapters are basically a poem, right? So the way she brings it all back in the end of each chapter mm-hmm. to tie into the theme of it, it's just, oh, it's so beautiful. And the way she says so much in a chapter with so little is magical. I could not believe how much I love ZJ. There's books that you can read and you'll end up really lo- enjoying them and liking them, but it might take you like a chapter to get into them. And here she's dealing with such few words and you just instantly mm-hmm. love every, all the characters and, and you're rooting for them and you care about them. I mean, I don't even think there was ever a point like, cause I listened to the audio too, which I do recommend. It was a beautiful, but th- there wasn't a point where I t- zoned out, you know, how like sometimes yeah. when you're listening, if you're, you're like, Oh wait, just wait, wait what happened? Something else. And you have to like hit the back button a couple of times. Like, Oh, I zoned out for a second. I missed that. I, you could, like, I couldn't even do anything. The whole point of listening to the audio version is so I can like do the dishes or something right, while right. I'm reading a book. I, I couldn't do anything. I just had to like sit and experience it. It's so amazing. Oh yeah. I mean, Woo. and, and like, I, we can't, obviously we're gushing, but it's well <laughs> deserving of the gush. Yeah. And it's such, I think above and beyond anything else, it is such an important story. Yes. It is so important that people know, just like I was saying, like, there's a reason we pulled our kid out of tackle mm-hmm. because it got to the point where I'm like, I'm not comfortable and I don't want him to get hurt now. I had a student that had had multiple concussions by the time he was in sixth grade and he had learning issues because of it. I'm like, mm-hmm. why? Why do we need this violent, violent sport? 
And why are we allowing it to go on? And I think in this one in particular, it was so gut-wrenching that ZJ's dad could only see the way for him to get them and his mother what they needed and get them out of their hood and their neighborhood was for him to play football. And that is by no means, is that a one-off? And that is a regular thought process for many, many people that go into professional athletics, especially the NFL. Why? We shouldn't have that. We shouldn't like it. We should not be paying this kind of homage to sports stars that are literally killing themselves for our entertainment. Right. I mean, that's the thing that is so sort of makes you feel like gross about even enjoying sports is it is only for entertainment. And yeah, and that is so heartbreaking, heartbreaking. I mean, and, and I, I know like athlete athletes have always like struggled with, you know, sprains and, and damage to their body, their physical body, joints, bones, all that kind of thing. This isn't but the this sprains is and different. Booms, this is, this is losing yeah. your personality. Losing At a young your, age. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really becoming young. violent when you've never been violent your whole life. I mean, that is, that is too much to ask of anyone. I have to say I'm becoming such a huge fan of books in verse. Because- Me too. <laughs> God, we've had good ones. I know we have read some really good ones, especially this year, I think. Yeah. And I just think if you, as especially like from a teacher perspective, how awesome would they be able to be to use in the classroom? Because they're quicker reads. Yep. You can, you could, I mean, it'd be fun to even do read alouds because everything's beautiful and it all comes back around. There's so much you can break down in it. Well, and I think that having taught poetry units a few times in life and a few different places in years, kids don't dig it. Most kids do not like poetry. Most kids don't get it. They don't want to do it. Whenever you say, oh, next it's poetry month. It's like, ah, and everybody complains and whines. This is a great approach. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is a great one. We read Starfish by like Lisa Phipps. We read um, All of Me. We read That Was in Verse. Yeah. I mean, we had some great ones. I even forgot those books were in verse now that I think about it. Because you get so into the characters, you don't even think that they were shorter. I didn't realize. I listened to two chapters before I opened the book and didn't realize it was in verse. Because it was just so, I was so like engaged. And yeah. I didn't realize it. I didn't even look inside the book when I started because I wanted to, I was just listening from the audio bit. Oh, beautiful. Tear jerks. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. For the Ever After by Yeah, we She's going to have to go on the Brownsia list too. She's been there. Yeah, there's a lot of authors that are wonderful that we don't talk about on the pod that probably should be on the Brownsia list, but. It's a given. That's a given. Yeah. So I guess that wraps up our book discussion for now. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with our pick six. And of course, this week's pick six is all about getting sporty in the classroom. Hey, Margie, what activities do you have for this week's pick six sports theme? Well, okay. So this week, we're going to give you six ideas to use in your classroom or homeschool or whatever, even your home after school activities to motivate those little sports nuts in your life. Um, I'm going to cover because, you know, that's how I roll science and then math and geography. I got some sports ideas for those. And you got? I've got like the motors, fine motor skills for my little preschool age kiddos that can probably fit for any age and then some language skills stuff you could do that are sports themed. Awesome. So what do you got up first? A couple of my things are pretty much like not revolutionary. One of the things that when you, when I have a group of kiddos in the 
classroom. And there's sometimes there's like that one kid that just needs a little bit more physical activity. Needs stimulation. Yeah. Yeah. They need a little more stimulation and especially indoors where, and if they don't get it, they start kind of bumping up against other kids and taking stuff and doing that kind of stuff. So one of the things that we like to pull out at the preschool is just this, uh, a basket and we have some bean bags and then we have this cute little, like a little wooden, um, thing to put on the floor that has little feet on it. It's just a bean toss game. That's it. But it's like, so super simple. You can make one up at home. You can use anything for a bean bag. Like sometimes in the fall, we we'll use like little weird shaped gourds and stuff like that. Um, I was thinking of fun one too, would be like those, um, bath sponges those like round fluffy back. Yeah. 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 You can get them for like a dollar at the grocery store or whatever. Like that would be something good too. Something that if you're worried about them breaking anything, when they throw it, just something that's lightweight, it's a great thing to do inside on a nasty day or something and whatever basket and you put the feet wherever you want and you can keep moving it, make it more challenging for them. Again, like I said, nothing really groundbreaking there, but it's just such an easy thing you could do with anything you have at home. You could take a pot, a bowl, anything, and just have them try to make it in there. It's something you can do with them and make it a fun little challenge. It's like cornhole. Yeah. Just like cornhole. Exactly. It's like a great way to get wiggles out when you, you know, if you can't be outside or whatever. So. And you can take it to the next level and say, okay, this time you're only going to be able to throw with your right hand. Yes. Next time you have to throw only with your left hand. Um, you're gonna have to throw between your legs, throw over yeah, your head. Yeah. Your yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn yeah. around and throw it. Oh yeah. Tons of fun challenges you could do with that one. That's a good, yeah. Your little ambidextrous dude would be awesome at that. <laughs> he'd win. He'd, he'd definitely win. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's just a fun, simple thing that anybody can do. Another thing that I like to do at the preschool, which is more like with language skills is, um, we do, um, mystery bag which I don't, I don't know if a lot of people know. Anyway, you just yeah. take a, a bag. We have, um, sometimes we do it with like, I have wooden shapes, you know, and I'll hold the bag and have the kids reach in and feel around and say, could you find the triangle with your hand and then pull it out? And um, that's really good for like um, connecting, like that's like a good sensory thing too. We're connecting their fingers with their brain and for trying to imagine what they're touching. That's really good for sensory. Also, what I'll do with the mystery bag though, is I'll put a lot of random items in it and then have a kid pull it out and we'll start a story. Like I'll pull out one thing and like a monster truck, let's say, and I'll be like, Oh, uh, fl- our fluffy dog drove the monster truck to the grocery store. And then, and then, mm-hmm. you know, and then, then the next kid will pull something out of the bag and make up something silly to go with the story and just kind of build a story that way with crazy item, random items out of the mystery bag. That's a fun way to do that. But anyway, I was thinking like to do a sports themes one would be so fun to fill it with like, Oh my bas- God, my son yeah. would love that. <laughs> fill it with a basketball, soccer ball, hockey puck, golf ball, baseball, any kind of sports equipment. All- of the items which are currently laying on my sofa right now frisbee you know all kinds of fun stuff and that would be a fun sensory game they could play where you could reach in and say can you find the frisbee or can you find this or it would also be just a fun thing to like have them reach in and pull out something and then tell us you know talk about that sport or say something about that sport or i don't know it's just i thought that would be a really fun thing to do with the mystery bag is do like a sports theme one um, and then the, the last thing, I don't know how this got started at the preschool, but I love it so, so much. And uh, we have like really awesome wooden block sets at the preschool, which, you know, some people have those at home. If you don't, it's not a big deal. But what we take are like basically like a two by four that's about a foot long. Um, and 
we put them on the ground and we have the carpet in the hallway, which is like that industrial kind of carpet. Yeah. 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 But if you, um, if you have like a higher nap carpet or you have like hardwoods or tile at home, if you put felt on the bottom of them, it would probably work just the same, but then you have the kids stand on them and then they move their one foot forward and the next foot yeah. forward. And we call it ska- uh, skiing. We call it skiing. Oh. Yeah. So we would always be like, who wants to go skiing? And then they would like go grab their little blocks and put them down on the ground and oh, that's cute. stand on them. And then they would, and it was really good for like coordinating, like yeah. trying to hold your foot down, pressed against it enough to move. And then plus also moving it forward. And that would keep them entertained forever. And that was another really good thing to do inside when we couldn't be outside running around. My son did it with um, paper plates and then he oh, plays hockey yeah. that way on the on my nice wood floors. Yeah, yes, the ice, ice skates skating. instead. That's brilliant. So yeah, so we do the skiing with the back and forth the yeah, with the longer pieces of wood. But yeah, anyway, so those I'm going to have to get him some of those because he would be down with that. Anyway, those are some sports themed fun of uh, physical and language activities for. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, first of all, I um we started homeschool this week last week. And I noticed right away that we were going to have to, I'm, I'm only homeschooling one this year. The other one went to school, but you know, the one of course that I'm stuck with is the most difficult one. <laughs> so, <laughs> Not so difficult, challenge. Challenging. Yes. He is that little nugget and he's in third grade, but I it, immediately, I was like, okay, in order to get him back into the mindset of thinking, we are going to have to go all sports all the time. Every aspect of our curriculum has to somehow shift to sports for a little while in order to get him engaged and be ready to come back to school. So, for example, like for reading, uh, he idolizes Patrick Mahomes. So I found a biography. So instead of reading and we have a chapter book about football that he's working on on his own. And then together for reading, he's reading about Patrick Mahomes because that's, you know, that's his idol. For math, we uh, this was like a, a stroke of brilliance that he's absolutely loving. He has all these little football helmets. You could do this with anything that you don't need the helmets, but we use the football helmets. He puts them in a box. He draws out two helmets, right? So we might have the Vikings and the Eagles. We put them out. I have I have a huge basket of numbers and we make two digit numbers. We draw two digit numbers. Who gets what? You know, like so which team each team gets a number. We decide who won. Then he has to draw another card. It's either are you going to tell me the total points scored in the game or are you going to tell me who how much did they win by? Did the Eagles how many points did the Eagles win by? So then he has to figure out whether to do the addition or subtraction. He has to remember all of the borrowing and everything that he learned at the end of second grade in order to put that application into process. But in the end, and then he has to write the team name. So he gets his motor skills in for writing the teams and then write out the, the final answer, like, uh, you know, how many point, total points scored or Eagles one by seven loves it, loves it. You could use it with younger kids, the same concept, pick the teams. You could just, you know, pick out single digits instead of double digits. Single digits or do the double digits even and say which one greater than less than. Oh, yeah. You could use um, number recognition. You can work on place value that way for younger kids. For older kids, you could work on percentages and rankings and all that kind of stuff. So there's so much you can do with numbers and math when it comes to like sports scores. And it engages those little nuts like nobody's business. They absolutely love it. So we will be doing the same thing with basketball season. Thank you. So, and then for science, we are doing some, um, we've been, we've been watching some really cool, I use them when I taught physics in uh, Indiana, I use them. There's this, they're called the physics of football videos. They're wow. on um, YouTube and you can see like velocity. There's one on momentum. 
And they use like, a, it's, I think it's the University of Mississippi or in Minnesota. I'm not sure which one, but they made these to explain momentum. And why does the little player have the amount of momentum that the little player does versus the giant linebacker? If you got kids that are into football, at, that's a great way to come in the back door with science. There's also this really cool TED talk called The Impossible Kick. And it's about the physics behind this like historical soccer kick from the 1990 something um, World Cup. And it's it's really interesting, too. There is a ton of science videos online, tons, tons, tons of science videos online, especially dealing with physics. Um, and we also have done the same thing. Like we'll go to we'll go out to um, like my my husband's been taking the kids out and working on soccer kicks with them. And but talking about the angles and if you kick it here, what angle is going to happen? Predicting angles. Predictions, huge predictions, huge in science, predictions, huge in everything. But um, if I if I kick it low is it where do I predict it's going to go and then try it and then will that make a goal will they not make a goal how far will my go am I going to overshoot undershoot where am I going to hit in the net and that's super important to know too in the um even if you're not a, a, a player but the the angles are always cool to, to deal with you can add that into math as well and the last thing I was like okay so we got math we got reading we got science covered and finally I was like ah oh, this was a stroke of genius I had the other day so I made all these little um, like little cutouts of every team in the NFL. And now we have a giant map in our kitchen and he <gasps> so has brilliant. to find the city and find the state. And then we're working on cardinal direction. So he has to be able to tell me, is it north of Boston? Is it east of Boston? Is it west of Boston? So he has to be able to tell me all of that. Um, and except when he gets to, you know, New England, but... <laughs> We go to, you know, otherwise he's good to go. But yeah, so he has to find them and then he pins them on. So we're also going to do the same thing with the NBA teams to kind of reinforce that. But then we got a world map and we're going to work on some UEFA soccer, uh, find the countries. So find the countries that each one, find the country that matches that, that team, which that way his father was all in on that one because, you know, we even have circuit Turkish soccer league on our television upstairs. We're so obsessed. So I kind of like the idea too, of using like the logos and cutting them in the shape of the state. And then you could almost do like a puzzle with all the logos and then help them remember like, because obviously he would make the connection of the name of the team to the state and then the shape of the state to where it belongs in the yeah. puzzle. The only problem is when you get to states like California, when they have three. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, but, but you know, like he knows the states and he knows the regions completely because he knows the teams. Yeah. And over, we have talked about so many trades and this and that. And we've watched a lot of um, like, like we watched this whole great docuseries on when the Rams left uh, St. Louis and went to California. And he learned, he learned so much just from that. And you don't think about it. You don't think like, is he really getting geography by watching this, this, you know, behind the scenes sort of thing? Of course they are, they are picking mm-hmm. things up. And I think that sports often gets discounted in the education world because it's just dumb jocks, but it is, it's an indoor, it's a door in for so many kids that just don't like school or they are just not interested in the subject that it is the perfect way to get to them. It certainly has been for mine. So it really has, because he really hates math. And it was so funny because his brother started school on Wednesday and he started school on Wednesday and we started with that game. And then we read. And oh, well, that was the other thing we made. Remember when we were in high school or elementary school, we used to make those little paper footballs. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we made some of those That's and then he, we kicked them, like flick them into. We made a little out of straws. We made a little field goal and then he has to measure. 
Like how far oh. did his go further or did mine go further, which is a really important skill in third grade. Yeah. And so we did all this. And my son was like, um, my older son was like, so did you guys have school today? He's like, no, I'm not going to start school till next week. And he's like, I thought he was starting school today, mom. And I'm like, he totally did. He has no idea it was school. <laughs> We thought we were just like hanging out. Yeah. He made a cake. He was working on fractions and all this stuff. He's like, that was school. That's not cool, mom. I mean, it's totally how it's supposed to work, honey. That's we homeschool. Well, you know, my son wants to change the world of education. So we've been having, he can do it with me. He and I can work together. We would be, yeah, we would, I'm with him. A lot of discussions in our house about how it doesn't work for everyone and how people naturally learn and how we're like basically ruin it. He thinks that school ruins that natural desire to learn. It does. He's right. Especially in older kids. Yeah. We've had a lot of those kind of discussions. So that's amazing. I love it that your son, your baby had school and didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. He still thinks first day of school is next Tuesday. I mean, that has got to be like the biggest compliment to your homeschooling skills ever. Oh, stop. Seriously. Well, you are one of the best teachers I've ever met. So (laughs) that's just because I'm crazy. Like it's just, (laughs) I love the, I love anything that is creative. And I think it's so much more fun to learn if it's creative and fun. Why, why do it if it's not going to be fun for them? So, yeah, I think I knew that we would be friends forever when you were doing zombie brains with your class (laughs) when you were teaching here. Oh my gosh. So brilliant. Studying the brain and she had them create the brain and then talk about if a zombie ate this part of your brain, what would you lose? (laughs) Like that is the best thing ever. It's because it's fun. That's the way you're, but you know, like that's the stuff that you remember. That's the stuff that you remember over. Yeah. That's why I love this. I always dreamt about homeschooling and I always thought like, oh, that's just, you know, like I sent you an article that was really should put on our website. It was really interesting about, and I think I've met a lot more homeschoolers this year now that COVID's unlocked the world. And I think a lot of people thought that way too, that it was just sort of like weird, unsocialized, uber religious people that were trying to hold their children away from the world. And that's 100% not what it is anymore. Maybe it was at one time, but I don't even know if it used to be, you know, like in maybe some areas, but yeah, it's just that you want your child to have a different approach to education. And I knew the older one and he's in a charter school now that's very crunchy. Like he has yoga once a, once a day he has, you know, like they have wellness classes. They don't have gym, they have dance. I mean, he's just, and it's, you know, but they also have soccer teams and they also have, you know, like he's doing physics, but they only do project-based learning. So he's better. Like he likes the structure and the sort of normalcy of school. He would, he would love homeschool too, but he likes this as well, you know, but I knew a few years ago that there was just no way no one was reaching my little guy because he, you know, like nobody was meeting him where he was and drawing him into, into something that would make him want to go forward. And their defense too. I mean, it's not really classrooms aren't set up these days for teachers to do that. You know, I mean, it's, I was just, was at breakfast this morning talking to someone who worked as a teacher and left because she wasn't able to teach the way she wanted to teach in the classroom. That's me girl. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, but yeah, I, I know poor nugget was struggling and now he's not. <laughs> yeah, he's really doing great. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's 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 amazing how fast you can find if you know them, if you if you take the time to figure out like what's going to get them in. And you know, we're like not for nothing, but we have hearing loss, we have massive ADHD. Looks like we got some dysgraphia going on. So yeah, he had a lot happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot happening there. He's not your sort of run of the mill like like my older son is literally just like the run of the mill. I'm going to follow directions and do what you told me to do. And I'm going to understand it. And if I don't, I'll ask a question, Right. but that's not nugget at all. So, mm-hmm. 
I, I, I kind of knew we'd have to go a different route. Well, I did he, not know it would all be based in football. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he definitely is a physical learner. He's a total kinesthetic learner all the way. Yeah. And not sit down. No, like we do our spelling words on the trampoline and he just bounces and bounces and bounces. And then it comes out. Yeah. Because that's what he needs. So those are our ideas. I think we should go forth and conquer. Go out and you put some sports in your classroom. You don't have to be sporty spice to do it. I mean, hello, look at me. Look at me. I am so, I am a fat middle-aged woman and I was a fat teenager and I was a fat kid and I still sporty spiced it. So there you go. Well, and I think, uh, you know, everyone has at least a somewhat of an interest in sport, some sport, I mean, somewhere, <laughs> Yeah, you know, that you can lean on if you have a kiddo who loves sports. Yeah. It's amazing. Like I said, what do you do for your kids? It's amazing yeah. what you do for your kids. The Bleacher Report app is just clinging to me right now. It t- it's just <laughs> clicking on my phone saying updates. Right. I'm sure some trade. It's probably a trade coming down. I better read it. All right. That was a great discussion. Thanks, Margie. That was a great one. Yeah. Yeah. So what's up for our next episode? It is with great pain in my heart that I must admit. It is with great sadness that I must say we are finally going to make Heather happy and me miserable by exploring books for horsey kids with horse themes. I hate horses. Stop it. You see, now we just said- you, we just said you don't have to be in sports to teach sports. <laughs> but see, okay, in my defense, I grew up on a farm and my father literally was a rodeoer. We had horses everywhere. My dad rode horses all the time. And then he competitively, he was a competitive team roper. I hate horses. I come from a place of knowledge. It's no, not like I'm a city no. girl that never experienced horses. I hate, I just hate them. They scare me and they're crazy. But anyway, Heather was one of those horsey girls. That was a little horses. too close to her horse, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, and she probably had like those little plastic rearing up black <gasps> beauty statues. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you did. I knew you did. And she would gallop them across the kitchen floor while her mother was making dinner. Yeah, oh I know gosh, who you are. Yes. Oh, yeah. And meanwhile, I was like taking Barbie out for a fashion show. But anyway, <laughs> Barbie and her gay yeah. friend, Ken, because even then Ken was gay. <laughs> but anyway, I have relented and I said, fine, we will do an episode on horse books. So in the spirit of Being uh, compromise, yeah. compromise, yes, I will be reading the Compton Cowboys by Walter Thomas Hernandez. I'm so it's a little bit city, a little bit rock and roll. And yeah. you... I'm so excited that you're reading that book. I love their story. I can't wait to hear about it. And I will be reading The Island of the Lost Horses by Stacey Gregg, which actually I think it's about um, winged horses, but oh, for so God's anyway. sakes. I know. God help me. <laughs> I think it's, oh so, my God. Well, I really wanted to do my that. friend Flicka. <laughs> I really want to read uh, Riding Freedom by Pam Munoz Ryan too, but that one's it's, it came out in 2015. So. I mean, actually, there's not a ton of really new horse books. Mm -hmm. I wonder why. I wonder why. (laughs) Because there is Pony by um, Palacio. Is that her name? That wrote Wonder. She has a book coming out about a horse. It's like a Western. It's it comes out. Palacino. Is it Platicino? Palacino. Anyway, Palacino. Anyway, so there is that one, but it's not out yet. So we're gonna darn it. Read some other ones instead. And and for some reason though, it is weird. You have to admit it's weird. When you look up horse books, it's always girls. Yeah, I guess you're right. They're all girl characters. They're always like, Oh, I love horses. Yeah, but you found a really awesome horse book about black cowboys. How I mean, I'm sure it would be awesome if there weren't horses in it, but I'm gonna read it. <laughs> 
All right. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So you can tell this is going to be really fun for me in the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) There'll be so much guilt. I'm going to bring out the old sister Nora Catholic guilt on this one. Anyway, so that wraps up this episode. If you like what you've heard, leave us a review and subscribe. Share us, please. We'll love you forever. Unless you don't (laughs) give us a good review, then I'm coming for you. (laughs) I'm going to get all Jersey on you. And if you want to join us twice a month for Kidlet Discussions, please subscribe to our podcast or any of the places you get your podcasts. And if you want to find out what's happening in our world and (laughs) you want to see pictures of me lying in the hammock, just my feet, basically, or you'd like to see pictures of me sitting on the soccer field, because that's pretty much what I've got now. Um, Feel free to follow us on Instagram, to Lit Mamas Podcast on Instagram, to TWO Lit Mamas on Facebook, and of course, on our website, www.twolitmamas.com. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks for listening.